But want to make sure we get to our first guest talking about the Assange thing, our good friend and the uh, founder and force. I, I'm going to call him a force. Behind 21st Century Wire, good friend Patrick Henningsen is joining us from England. Hey, Patrick, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, great to be with you, Lee. Great to be with the Garland. Okay, so let's let's get an update. Uh, I assume you were you were paying attention to the press conference this morning by Swedish authorities, correct? Uh, yeah, I did. I didn't actually uh, listen to the press conference, but uh, I've been sort of scanning the uh, the story and keeping uh, an eye on the updates. But yeah, I'm familiar with the story. Well, and I know also you're familiar with the allegations because when I was in England a few weeks ago, you were getting ready to do an appearance, and you were sort of crammed on the uh, on the allegations against Assange. So is there, let me ask this first, what are the allegations and is there anything new here that you're seeing in this, aside from the fact that they're reopening the case, is there any new evidence that's come forward? Is anything, or, or what's going on with the, these new allegations? No, well, you know, it, what, what would this be called in, uh, in the United States? So it would be called double jeopardy, but actually technically in this case, triple jeopardy. Uh, so, you know, would that be acceptable in the United States? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, in most countries, no. So there, is, there can be no new evidence. Uh, effectively, you had two separate complaints uh, from 2010. Uh, and one, the first one was uh, eventually uh, dismissed, uh, ran out in terms of the statute of limitations, but you had problems with both witnesses. Uh, one, one problem was unreliable evidence, unreliable testimony, uh, the police, according to one witness, trying to drum up a case that wasn't there. She was so distraught uh, that she didn't want to speak to the police anymore because they had over-egged it. Uh, so there's there's a lot of political forces behind the scenes. Two separate prosecutors have dropped two different attempts at this, uh, this uh, sex allegation case, uh, a rape case they're calling it in the media, but it wasn't rape. The charges were never rape. Uh, it's funny how they've used this word. The fact that the media is just running with the word rape uh, and the fact that uh, nobody's giving any sort of context or background to this uh, what's effectively third time they've revived uh, these charges. And uh, and also with uh, actual forensic evidence, real evidence, empirical evidence that the British Crown Prosecution was colluding uh, with the Swedish government uh, basically to sandbag uh, Sweden interviewing Assange uh, for all those years uh, because they felt that they could uh, inch closer to sort of delay it um, to get the extra U.S. to get his extradition act in, in order. Uh, and so they Sweden eventually sent someone to interview Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy, I believe in 2016. And they went back again unimpressed uh, with the allegations, and uh, Julian Assange gave full open disclosure uh, to the person from the prosecution's office that came and interviewed him in the U.K., which is, by the way, standard practice uh, for both countries to exchange uh, law enforcement to go or even to do the interview by Skype. But anyway, after three years of dragging their feet, they finally sent someone in 2016. And then that second case was dropped very soon after that in 2017. So the, looking at this, and there, if there was anything there, if there was any there there, uh, we would have known about it or would have made a big deal about it. They would have still prosecuted in Sweden because they had Assange's statement twice. The first statement he gave, he was in Sweden, and he was allowed to leave the country. So he was never a fugitive from justice. Well, but Patrick, let me ask you this. 
Um, do you think part of this is, you know, initially they grabbed Assange and they said, okay, he'll be out of here in 20 hours. He'll be, you know, within two days, he'll be en route to the U.S. That do you think part of this is they're realizing that there are, there are, say, some significant legal hurdles to being able to extradite um, Julian Assange and some of these, you know, the 50 weeks and this is about extending things as long as they possibly can to figure out a way around those hurdles? Absolutely. As they had to get their ducks in a row uh, in, e- in eastern Virginia first, uh, and Chelsea Manning is part of that, uh, uh, that strategy. Uh, so they've managed to you know, basically uh, detain uh, her as a political prisoner once. She's out now, but there's a second uh, uh, subpoena, I believe May 16th. So it's a gr- quite possible that Manning could uh, end up uh, being incarcerated in order to coerce her to uh, testify or effectively rat against Julian Assange, even though that case has actually been completely fleshed out, discovery and all, uh, in 2010. Patrick, real quickly, because we're up against a break here, is that all, you find it also just outrageous, just real quick, that Ecuador is turning over Assange's computers, disk and everything else. Do you find that an outrage too? Yeah, it is. It is an outrage. That's a criminal act. But what's more outrageous is Ecuador colluded with the UK government to render to render uh, Assange from sovereign Ecuadorian territory into British territory. I'm talking about from the embassy into London. That's according to international law. That would be an extraordinary rendition. So that's even more outrageous because it sets a very dangerous precedent globally. I mean, the the, the precedent is far-reaching. Yeah, agreed. Hey, Patrick, appreciate you coming on. We got more coming up. You're listening to the most disruptive radio show in America. Thanks to Patrick Henningsen, 21 Wire on Twitter. You listen to Fault Lines with Nixon and Stranahan. Fault Lines.